Thunder Force is a Netflix movie. It's their latest superhero film. We, Will and I were kind of talking about this off the year. There's been a few Netflix superhero movies, and it, I don't think any of them have been good. There was Project Power, and you consider Old Guard a superhero movie. I don't. I and I think Old Guard is good. I I think it's it's like an action, like modern, like realistic fantasy kind of thing. But you have a different take. Okay. Well, I I do think it is a superhero movie if one for adults, but uh, I, I I think it's a extremely mediocre movie and and one I've mostly forgotten outside of a few key scenes. But um, otherwise, uh, yeah, it's not my cup of tea. Could not disagree more. I I I think it's genuinely really good. I I really liked Old Guard, but right. you know, it, in, in if we were ranking the Netflix superhero movies, it'd be my number one by pretty decent margin uh, did you say project power would be yours i i mean by default i guess is, <laughs> yeah, is yeah. this is this it just those three <laughs> uh we might be forgetting a few others you know is hubie halloween a superhero movie who's to say um <laughs> but yeah this is this is a superhero comedy written and directed by ben falcone and it stars Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer, Bobby Cannavale, Jason Bateman, a few other people you'll recognize, Melissa Leo. And yeah, this is the latest film from Ben Falcone and Melissa McCarthy. They're, of course, the husband and wife duo behind some other films uh, like Tammy and uh, was Identity Thief one that they did together nope. as well? No? I mean, I don't know if she produced it, but that was, uh, what's his face, King of Kong guy. Well, yeah, uh, I know... Bosses. I'm pretty sure like Craig Mazin did the screenplay for that one. So I think you're right. Yes, yeah, he they, did. Yes. Mm-hmm. They did Life of the Party. I know that. And yeah, uh, the boss. we talked about that movie, one of our most popular episodes of yeah. uh, that year. <laughs> for <laughs> fun, for fun a reason. Fact. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I forgot to mention this movie also has um, Palm Clemency from uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. She plays oh, yeah. uh, Mantis. I did not expect to see her in this. And she has like Nor a totally different like look. So I didn't recognize her at first. But then once she started like doing her thing, I was like, oh my gosh, it's Mantis. Mm-hmm. Nice to see her. And something yeah. that's, you know, not Guardians of the Galaxy. But anyway, yeah. So this just came out on Netflix. It has been getting ravaged by critics. And I think we kind of expected this. I mean, it's, I think Ben Falcone is like yet to make a good movie. I, I, I think that for whatever reason, he keeps getting these projects. And I think it's kind of an Adam Sandler situation where a lot of people will watch this because of the talent involved. And they kind of see it as like, oh, this is a movie that is going to just sort of be dumb, but I can, like, you're kind of telling me this off the air, I can fold laundry while I watch this movie and, you know, just kind of decompress. I mean, some people cling to their wife's success. Uh, Ben Falcone is holding on to it for dear life. (laughs) I, I guess so. And you know what? They have, um, okay, I will say this. They have this big Netflix deal. I, I forget how many films they're going to be making with Netflix. Well, they're making a show next, right? Not that I'm aware of. It's like God's Favorite Idiot, I think it's called. It's like a show, I guess. But movie-wise, like, they've they've got a bunch of Netflix stuff coming up. Very similar to, like, Adam Sandler thing. Super Intelligence. That was the, the other one they did. And uh, The Boss. They, I think the next one that they have for Netflix is a, like a Christmas movie. And I genuinely believe that like Ben Falcone is doing this because he thinks making movies is fun and he has fun doing it and he likes making movies with Melissa McCarthy. 
I don't think this guy really sets out to make a great movie. I might be totally wrong about that, but I just don't get that. I just don't get the sense that he cares if the movie is good or bad or what people think of it. I just think that he's just making movies because he can. And do you think that's do you think that's unfounded? No, because I think my interpretation of their creative process and like we say, I don't know. I don't I have I haven't met them. I don't know what they they do when they come up with their movies. But I imagine it goes something like, hey, wouldn't it be fun if so and so? And they're like, yeah. And then they, they, you know, either come up with a bare bones concept or whatever, and they, they flesh it out in the process. Or if they're on set, it's like, hey, that's kind of a funny idea. What if we just kind of run with that? And then they, they turn what should be a 30 second joke into a two and a half minute joke. Because if it was funny for 30 seconds, surely it'll be funny for two and a half minutes. And yeah, that's how we get the Ghostbusters thing, you know? Yeah. I guess. I mean, I would prefer Ghostbusters over any of the movies that Ben Falcone has directed, admittedly, but sure. I guess, but not by much. I, I just think that there's this, like, these movies that generally most McCarthy is in, com- like comedy wise, they just have like a sense of humor that I don't understand, like what people find funny about it. And I, you know, if people get like joy and they enjoy these films, that's awesome, you know. I, but to what I was saying before, I just think that like he makes the film like you said, just sort of to make it and to just sort of have fun. And I, it's not that there's anything wrong with that, but like, I don't know. I just wish that like, why can't they like look at a film and be like, let's say something with this movie. Let's do something with this concept that's different. And I don't know. That's the thing that I'm craving from these things. I mean, he's directed now what five films and I don't think he has improved in a, in his uh, direction any particular way, as far as I can see. Like, it just seems like he has been consistently fairly mediocre in terms of his approach. Like, it's a lot of, you know, like, kind of general setup. Uh, it's not like he, like, really advances in any particular way as a filmmaker. And uh, I don't know, if, like you said, I don't, I don't know if he's really even trying to. But um, I, I, I do think that it's more unfortunate for Melissa McCarthy, who, as we all know at this point, you know, she is a very talented actress. And I'm not only in the comedy field, but in directing. I mean, she has two Oscar nominations for a comedy and a drama. And I, th- yeah. I don't think those are unearned. I think, you know, you know, it is a very good performance in Bridesmaids. I really like her work in um, uh, The Nines and Can You Ever Forgive Me? And um, even like movies I don't like at all, like Identity Thief. Like, I think that's a horrible movie and I think it's a terrible comedy. But there is one scene in that movie where like Melissa McCarthy is genuinely like really acting. And it's like, wow, like clearly... You know, even in like a garbage movie, if she is given the chance to act, she can. But I feel like with Ben Falcone, and this happens when you have a director that you're like personal or, you know, close with, like, I I think she kind of just settles in a way that like, I I mean, it's not like I think they're lazy in terms of their approach. But, you know, I mean, a director, sometimes you kind of have to, you know, give and pull. And I feel like Ben Falcone is probably a very nice guy and he obviously loves his wife and he kind of just goes rolls with the punches, I guess. And I, I just feel like there's just not a whole lot there, I guess, in terms of like really defining her characters or really kind of following the funny in a way that's interesting for an extended movie length period of time. Yeah, I basically agree with all that. You know, even a movie like Spy, which I don't like as much, but people really like Spy. I do like Spy, Spy, yeah. Yeah, people like that movie. I like Spy. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason they like it is because Melissa McCarthy really commits to that role. And like, I don't think anyone can deny that she's extremely talented, really good at what she does. It's just to me unfortunate that she like the majority of her projects are these sort of like hangout movies with you know 
that kind of are just content to be mediocre, I suppose. Sure. Just, that I just mean, kind of irks me. I mean, she gets a lot of, you know, I mean, they get a lot of really, you know, talented people, especially in this movie. Like, yeah. I mean, I imagine like working on their movies is fun and they're, they're probably really nice and supportive. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good check. Sure. Yeah, they're doing I mean, they're getting some money. They're hanging out with people. They know. I, I get it. Like, I don't sure. judge anybody involved here at all. Are you saying that Jason Bateman isn't fully committed to the bit here? <laughs> <laughs> I think he absolutely 100 percent was born to play the crap. Sure. in this movie so okay what is this movie thunder force is about a world where it's kind of taking this uh, version of the synopsis from steelheart the brandon sanderson book which is basically like what if the only what if a bunch of people in the world got superpowers but the only people who got superpowers were the villains so if you are like sociopathic you have like no feeling or remorse or just evil pure evil just because you're evil then you I think it's implied that you will have superpowers or you're very likely to have superpowers. And this is how the world's been for like decades, which that doesn't make sense that like the world is completely the same after decades of this, except that there's just some villains, you know, here and there that like they're little annoyances. Right. I mean, even beyond that, I just was thinking like this movie starts the way all comedies do with a train being blown up and our protagonist's right. parents dying. It's just like, yep, that's that's how we get them laughing from the beginning. Like, just like this horribly depressing way to start a movie. <laughs> it's very off kilter. I mean, they, they, they kick things off by trying to sell to us a world where there are just super villains, but there are no superheroes. And the whole point of this movie is that the two main characters have a reason to sort of fight back against that. But they don't have superpowers, so they have to find a way to get superpowers a different way. And that's mainly through Octavia Spencer, who plays the scientist named Emily Stanton, who is very successful and she's brilliant. And she comes up with a way through a very grueling process to give her former best friend, her estranged best friend, Lydia, placed by played by Melissa McCarthy, the power of super strength. And she herself gets the power of invisibility. And I should say too, this does like, they don't become the thunder force. Uh, it's kind of like fantastic four. They don't become like the thing, like the super team until halfway through the movie, something like that. We don't spend a ton of time with them actually in the world. They spend a lot of time setting it up and putting them through like the training and everything. And that to me is a mistake because that is the most interesting stuff in this movie is when they're just hanging out at Thunder Force headquarters, like this like Chicago tech, you know, Elon Musk designed building where they have to like, there's hijinks and, you know, there's like weird implications if, if you had super strength and how to control it and do all this stuff. And that there's like the whole montage and having to connect with each other because they haven't seen each other in years. And this was the part of the movie where I was like, yeah, okay. Like, there's a concept here. And then they cut to the villains of the movie. And you know, we're talking about this off the air, like the villains in this movie. I kind of wish that it was about them. There's like this little cabal True. led by Bobby Cannavale and yeah. And, and, and Palm Clemente and Jason Bateman are just kind of like in this like little click of super villains. And it's, it's a part of the movie that's absurd and there's no logic to it. And it's just sort of like slapstick, high concept humor and i was like this is actually working like this is true halfway good so but then it cuts to melissa mccarthy you know belly flopping and on the street or something 
I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I was just telling you off the air that I, I think the villain sequences introduce what I consider the only really funny scene in this film. And I won't give it away, but it, in, it's one of the few times where I think extending the joke longer than you expect it actually kind of works the movie's favor. But it's also one of the few times where the movie's actually kind of indulging in a darker sense of humor. So I don't know if that's coincidental or if that just speaks more about me. But that's the only time in the movie I can honestly say that I got a good laugh or even a chuckle out of this film. I think it works because it's the writing. Like, the characters bounce off each other well. Bobby Cannavale is just this, like, sadistic, corrupt politician. And Jason Bateman, you know, they kind of talk, they kind of get to it eventually. But, like, he's not really that evil or anything. He's kind of like the audience surrogate for this world, even though he has crab claws for hands and but he just sort of like arrested developments his way through every situation so his energy complements that super well and then you just have palm clemency who just is hilarious no matter what she kind of says or does so she just kind of is like sort of adding her sadistic flair to it and there's like there's just a good energy between the three of them but then you cut to octavia spencer and melissa mccarthy who are just kind of vanilla by comparison like i don't there's just no texture to their characters besides you know, she's kind of just a super brilliant person who maybe needs to like focus more on human connection. And Melissa McCarthy has to be a little bit more. Uh, I, don't know, I don't even know what she learns in this movie, honestly. She just uh, kind of like more is herself. Selfless, I think. Uh, but nah, but she's I mean, pretty selfless throughout the movie. Otherwise, yeah, the, the movie's basically on her side the whole time. You know, there's this whole subplot where she connects with. Octavia Spencer's daughter and they they kind of she, her whole thing is like hey you know don't be so hoity-toity you know like care about your fellow person like be on the ground level she's like a ground level superhero and you know you, you get the sense that Emily is like trying to only focus on her goal of stopping the supervillains but not really paying attention to the people around her I don't know that it, it's a germ of an idea I guess well, I mean, that's my whole thing, I guess, with the Falcone's um, filmography is that I think he comes up, well, I guess him and Melissa McCarthy, I think they come up with concepts and characters, but they don't really flesh them out. They're just kind of like, hey, wouldn't it be fun if there was a movie, like a superhero movie, where it was like two like mid- middle-aged women kind of just like kind of figuring out the whole superhero thing. It's like, yeah, I guess that's a concept yeah. that can work. If you flesh it out, sure. Yeah, but they, they kind of settle at that point, or they, they're content to be like, all right, we got a funny concept. The funny will follow. And it's just like, no, sometimes you're going to have to work for the funny. Like, you can't just, like, yeah. assume that the concept is going to carry it. It's represented by, like, how certain creative decisions they make where you do get the sense that it was, like, the first idea someone had, for example. Like, okay, what's their pump-up music going to be on their first caper? And it's a Glenn Fry song because like even the character is like, why, why, why would it be a Glenn Fry song? And I genuinely think it's because it was the, like somebody took out their phone and pressed shuffle. And it was like the first thing that came up and they're yeah. like, we're doing it. We're doing that song. Well, <laughs> I mean, just, they, you know, yeah, they come from an improv background and that it seems to yeah. flow into all their movies. Just kind of like, Oh, we're, this is where the joke's going. Okay. We can kind of work with that and just kind of going it's with riff. it. Right, yeah, let's just riff. Um, which I mean, you know, I'm I'm I don't mind riffing, but I think, you know, generally speaking, you, you kinda have to do a little bit more. Like you have to elevate the joke or you kinda have to like layer it in some way. And like I said, with the exception of that one scene, I just don't think they do that here or any of their films, really. Yeah, it's it's like weirdly straightforward and 
just like surface level. <laughs> like they're just sort of it, it, that's the thing. There's so many superhero things, so many superhero shows and movies, especially on Netflix and on Disney Plus and all this stuff. So, like, how do you set yourself apart? And I don't think like Melissa McCarthy humor is enough, right? I mean, and and Octavia Spencer, like, I think is for me like best with her dramatic roles and her more like really bizarre genre roles, right? So, sure. like, I don't understand what she's doing here. I thought Ma was pretty funny. So I don't know about you, but um, it's funny in a different, <laughs> sure, in a different uh, playing field, right? Sure, that's a memorable movie for reasons we don't have to talk about. Sure, but here it's just like I don't know. There's just nothing to her character we haven't seen before. Nothing. The movie doesn't say anything. It's just sort of like an excuse for their version of a superhero movie, which is like just very plain and boring to me. To that point, yeah, I, I'm honestly kind of surprised that. Ben Falcone and Melissa McCarthy weren't making Netflix movies before this because like they, they're always kind of working that modus operandi from the beginning. Like even Tammy to an extent was just like a character piece for them to just kind of like do their thing. But it's not like super plot driven or like stakes dependent or anything like that. So I think being on Netflix kind of similar to Adam Sandler, like I think that's probably the best mode for them, I guess. They're going to keep making movies like this um, because, you know, it'll be directly sent to their audience and, you know, they don't have to worry about, like, doing too much to establish, like, tone or stakes because, like we were saying, with Netflix, you have the the comfort of just kind of, like, knowing that the audience might just, like, go into the kitchen and spend four minutes finding a snack to eat and come back and not lose anything in terms of, like, what happened in the plot or anything like that. So um, I, I, I think... It makes sense for them to be on Netflix, but that doesn't mean they're making good films at this point. Like we said, it just seems like they're kind of consistently mediocre now. And and I will give the movie credit in that, like, I I think this one's better than Super Intelligence, which was just terrible. (laughs) We didn't cover on the show, but it's really... I never never saw it. Just just an impressively awful film. (laughs) Um, And I think the other ones before it were just kind of, like, lukewarm in kind of the same way that this movie is. It's just, like... Yeah, I mean, like, I like all the people involved. I'm sure they're very nice people to work with, but they don't really make super entertaining films together, and it's not like I'm getting much out of them, like you said, thematically either. So we're just kind of left with, like, a giant shrug of a filmography. Yeah, yeah. She, Melissa McCarthy is very funny, but, like, trust that she's funny. You don't have to be, like, improvise every single joke. Just write jokes. Let's do that. But, yeah, all that said... Way more people watched Thunder Force than they did Voyagers. You know, we didn't we didn't talk about how much Voyagers made, but that made like what a little over a million dollars in the box office. And so I looked at the the letterboxed of like, okay, how many people are logging this stuff? And it's not a science, but we can definitely see a disparity. So when I when I look at the Thunder Force page, seven point six thousand letterboxed users logged the film. Six hundred and fifteen people hearted it. But then when you look at Voyagers. By comparison, only 931 people saw that and only 123 people hearted it. And it just speaks to me that like this is the dominant pop culture right now. The Netflix weekly movie that comes out when we don't really have a big Marvel or DC Warner Brothers kind of thing coming out. If if Disney's quiet, <laughs> then the Netflix thing is the thing that kind of just like blows up. And sometimes it overshadows Disney completely, right? So 
True. I guess we just have to accept that. I just, my question for you, Will, is, is it Netflix? Is it because that they give these directors and these like filmmakers so much carte blanche that they don't have the studio notes? They don't have the like, hey, maybe you should do like this or rein this in. They just say, make whatever the heck you want. We don't have to worry about marketing it. We don't have to worry about like people will watch whatever we put on the site. And I think that it's a generally worrisome trend. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, like you're suggesting, it does kind of encourage a sense of mediocrity in terms of like not really giving a lot of pushback or like offering a lot of, uh, you know, like uh, encouragement in terms of like, you know, taking this out or like, or I guess what I'm trying to say is criticism, like kind of like figuring out what's working, what's what's not working. Yeah, I mean, just kind of like giving pool, just generally speaking, in artistic environment, when you have people who are kind of able to... Um, helpfully criticize and, and offer key advice to to improve the end product that generally tends to work out for the better not always but broadly speaking that that tends to work and and with netflix it does kind of seem like they they're more uh concerned with the al the uh um, algorithm and the numbers and just like just as long as we have something that could be released on this weekend and reach this many people and be number one for these amount of days it's like you've succeeded in what you're trying to do you're keeping people subscribed to our service it doesn't really matter if this is good or even decent it just has to be kind of watchable in a banal sort of way and and I, like i said before i think it's kind of surprising to me that ben falcone and Melissa mccarthy weren't already making movies for netflix because i feel like they were kind of making netflix movies already uh just wow. under the studio system I, I mean but true is it really i mean like i mean like life of the party like if it was if it came out on netflix as opposed to theaters would it be really any different yeah it, you know we should be clear it's not that netflix doesn't make good movies of course they do they make some of the best movies of the year but a lot of the time they don't they just kind of like put this stuff out and mm -hmm. it's yeah it's, it's a bit of a confusing push and pull honestly i mean for every like good to great film on netflix like there are three others that are mediocre at best or more because there's there's so many netflix movies that come out every week we, we could literally make just and i'm sure they're out there a netflix podcast that only covers netflix releases maybe even just netflix movies uh, and boy, you'd hey. still be able to just like cover the same amount of content that we do on the show pretty much yes <laughs> which is kind of wild isn't it like, yeah, I, I, it's kind of amazing, like how much they cr they put out there. And I, I don't want to criticize them for that approach because that's their approach. And I'm sure it, whatever works, whatever works for them. But I guess the thing that I personally just prefer and maybe some other people do, too, is I just like better curated film output like A24. Not every A24 movie is a winner, but I'm always interested or really curious about a new A24 movie. And same even goes for something like... um you know, like uh, one of the bigger services, like if something is going to come out on HBO Max that's original or like just kind of like a different sort of thing, I'm I'm generally pretty curious with HBO because they, they just have a good reputation. And, it, you know, not everything, again, not everything that they put out as a winner, but it's always going to be to me like worth looking into at least. But with Netflix, so much, like so much stuff just passes me by and I don't give it mm -hmm. a second look because I, I feel like I don't need to. It's weird. Yeah. 
And I mean, that that also tends to hurt the actually good films because half the time they kind of go under the radar and people don't, unless like people are championing them or like they get some award considerations, half the time there will be like generally very good films or like good films that uh, just, you know, kind of fly under the radar because they're not getting a whole lot of notice or praise. But I do agree with you that it is kind of getting to the point where like, like I honestly don't know why some people just, I mean, I'm sure somebody does this, but like. You could just like tally up like, okay, the five bloods, I'm thinking of ending things, Dick Johnson is dead, Mank, and like whatever else, and just like spend two months just catching up on on those stuff and then just like cancel your Netflix subscription until like that time next year and just figure out like, you know, okay, this this is what, these are the good ones, I guess, or like the ones I should check out and just like binge them and then just, you know, repeat the cycle. Like I, I, I am wondering if people do that because at this point, like it does seem like only a handful of these movies end up being worthwhile or even worth considering. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that with Netflix, like I'm getting very burnt out on a lot of their content, particularly their, their, uh, their series and a lot of their documentary stuff sometimes it's fine, but like nothing really hits me. Like, I don't feel like I'm getting a good experience generally. I think like the last thing I saw on Netflix that I genuinely got a lot of a real kick out of that. I got, I had a lot of fun watching was the, the, uh, DOTA, th- I don't know, it's Dota, DOTA, whatever the dragon's blood thing. It's like a Western anime that I don't know anybody else who watched it. It just showed up on my Netflix and I chucked the whole thing out and I thought it was kind of fun. It was a really cool action series that, was a nice surprise but aside from that nothing really has like so there's stuff that's hit netflix people have been like oh yeah there's this thing called deadly illusions that's just uh this weird movie that on that is like starring a bunch of people you recognize but uh <laughs> probably shouldn't watch i guess because it, it has some weird stuff in it i don't know yeah i heard that was pretty terrible <laughs> yeah i didn't watch it but again it's like that just happened and then nobody talked about it it's, it's almost like the video like remember when video on demand was like like every week we'd get five or six straight to VOD movies that nobody really talked about. And sometimes they'd have really recognizable, recognizable people in them. I mean, still do technically. I mean, I'm sure. I think to a lesser extent in some cases, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, when the pandemic happened, I know they were kind of forcing that more because it makes sense because it's like they didn't have big screen competition. So it's like, hey, why not try this VOD title? Or like, hey, here's a movie with Bruce Willis. <laughs> That's the thing. I think we're like starting to fully transition into an era where we don't need that. Like, why would you put these straight to VOD, which are typically looked at as like low budget, low quality things that normally you would just they would just pop up on iTunes or Amazon or something and people would rent them when instead you just put those things on Netflix and Paramount Plus and all these things where people will actually watch them because they don't have to pay you know, more mm-hmm. than their subscription. Right. So. It's an interesting time to be alive with the the streaming era, but that's yeah. that is our long winded review of Thunder Force. The movie's so interesting, we stopped talking about it without really sure. addressing it. Um, what's your grade for uh, Thunder Force? Uh, I'll just say Thunder Force, more like Blunder Force. C. Uh, well, you, I'm Gene. That Shallot. gets a a B for Boo. <laughs> yeah. Dang, we're, we're two in a row. We've had the exact same grade, a C for me as well. This is so, it's weird too, because like normally I don't I don't know if I've ever given two movies one week a C, definitely C plus, but that's kind of sad. Yeah, you hate to see it. Hate to see it. Yeah, hate to see it.
Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.